Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, December 11th, 2023, the 1055th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to let you all know what my plans for the podcast and for the Substack over the holidays are. This will be the last full week of shows before the podcast. I am going to be taking a little bit of time off, spend some time with the family and try to get back to some writing, hopefully posting some stuff on the Substack. It's possible that I may do an episode on Monday of next week and maybe another one during the week. It's possible that I may do some episodes at the end of the following week, but it's also possible that I might just take two weeks and not do the daily show. I will be on Badlands throughout that time. As I said, I'll be writing. I have book ideas that I really want to be working on and haven't been able to work on. So I might do that. And I will probably be scaled way back on social media over that period. But I wanted to let you know that. And I'm also trying to figure out a way to just simply extend everybody's subscription renewal dates for a week or maybe two weeks on the Substack. And I imagine if I'm able to figure that out, it'll probably email you and tell you that. So as we begin to wind down on a very long, very strange, very combative 2023, I figured I would start this last week of shows 
with a clip from Donald Trump's speech on Saturday night in front of a black tie audience for the New York Young Republicans Club in a gala at the famous ballroom at Cipriani. 24, don't we, doesn't it sound good? It's so, now it's happening, it's happening. We shouldn't have had to wait this long, but you know, things like that happen. Things like that happen. But when we were at four years and we were fighting because we had a rigged election like nobody's ever seen before, and a lot of people thought it could happen maybe sooner, and it should have happened sooner because of what they did. A bunch of cheaters. They are cheaters like nobody's ever cheated before. Third world country. But now the time is here and uh, we're going to do it. We're going to do it right. And we're going to find out what happened then. But more importantly, we're going to take our country to new levels, levels that nobody would have thought possible. Now, this is one of those moments when you could say, well, Donald Trump, he just is always saying outlandish things. He's always exaggerating his own abilities and talents. He's exaggerating what he knows. He's exaggerating future successes, thinking that he can speak these future successes into existence by portraying confidence. But no matter what, Donald Trump could not possibly just be saying plainly that thing that all the conspiracy theorists have been saying is happening for years. Now, we can all play Trump is stupid until the end of days. Everybody can believe that Donald Trump, the billionaire real estate mogul and dealmaker, massive global celebrity for 40 years, television star and president in addition to maybe being an FBI anti-corruption informant for decades, who managed to create a booming economy, never go to war, and single-handedly, essentially, expose and destroy the country's most powerful and corrupt political dynasties and expose the media and the massive corruption and infiltration in our government, that guy is dumb. The guy who was in command of the world's most powerful military with access to all of the best intelligence in the world, that guy doesn't know as much as Ben Shapiro or Dave Rubin or Rachel Maddow or Jake Tapper or the editors of the New York Times and historians and academics, all of the supposed intellectual Wannabe elites, they are all geniuses. Donald Trump is a moron. People still cling to that after eight and a half years. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they maintain their sanity while they do it. But if you're not afflicted with that problem and you understand that Donald Trump actually does know what he's talking about and does have a plan on how things are going to go and that plan is working because Everyone can see that Trump and his positions and his politics and his job as president, all of those things are gaining popularity in this country. It's not the so-called uneducated working class white voters. It's people of every race. It's people of every level of education and people income level. They see that Donald Trump was not the problem And that maybe, just maybe, he's part of the solution. President Trump is saying it's happening. A lot of people wanted it to happen sooner. It should have happened sooner based on what they did, the extent of their cheating. He said it's all coming out. Everyone's going to see it. We're going to find out what happened. Now, to be clear, this is not the first time that Donald Trump has ever said They're going to put out all the evidence of the election. In fact, he just did it back in August, said he was going to have a press conference in Georgia to put out the evidence of election manipulation, election theft, election interference. And that was certainly a head fake. But he has made it pretty clear, including in legal filings in these cases, that he is going to be bringing evidence of election interference and manipulation, election theft, election rigging into his trials and show it to the nation. That is the plan, because if the elections are stolen, which they are, then the Fannie Willis indictment in Georgia 
and the Jack Smith indictment about J6 and the stolen election, those immediately fall apart. There's nothing there if Donald Trump was right that the election was stolen. Of course, there's nothing there regardless. Even if Donald Trump was wrong about the elections being stolen, there's still nothing there. But him being right about it means it would be insane to even pursue those cases, which, as we have seen, does not mean that won't happen. But Trump seems confident and ready, and there is a palpable sense that the momentum is really building. And we've been talking about that for the last few weeks, this intense panic building up among the regime. And it's true on the uniparty right as well, as they realize the Ron DeSantis thing is not working out in a narrative sense in any way imaginable. If they do try to rig and steal the primaries for Ron, no one's going to buy it. In 2022, I was talking about how 2023 would be all about rhino hunting. What we have seen over the course of this year is that sifting process I refer to sometimes. We have seen the corrupt elements in the Republican Party exposed, the rhinos, the donors, the con Inc. media influencers, all of these people who are willing to lie about stolen elections in the country the people who have been quite clearly working against Donald Trump to thwart the MAGA movement on behalf of the regime. And you would have to think that that means at the beginning of 2024, once this cycle really picks up after the holidays, that final sifting will occur. Some people will jump aboard the Trump train and the rest will go off and join the Lincoln Project or some other anti-Trump group that supports the establishment and the regime. Maybe they'll work for Liz Cheney or Mitt Romney. But I feel like it'll be pretty easy to see where the lines are drawn. That sifting process will have concluded and the attention can be focused directly on the uniparty regime, knowing now who our allies aren't. And I think that there is still some legitimate confusion about this. Everybody wants it to be that prior age where the Republicans were all on our side. Well, these people generally support Republicans, so they're on our side. These people reliably vote for people with R's next to their name, so they're on our side. We look to the popular establishment, quote unquote, conservatives of the last couple decades and think they're on our side. Sean Hannity and Mark Levin and Glenn Beck. And then the next generation who pretend to be alternative media, not part of the mainstream, the Daily Wire types, Dave Rubin, etc. Everyone wants all of these people to be on our side because we thought they were on our side before. And people want to give them the benefit of the doubt, which I know it's because you're good people. But the idea that they're all just operating out of principle and came to different conclusions than we did, that's where the mistake is made. And I think that becomes a problem because we're so used to accepting the crumbs and the scraps. So many awful things are said about Trump and MAGA by people on the uniparty left that the uniparty right saying fewer awful things actually makes us think, oh, thank goodness, these are the good guys. We're going to get these guys to come around. I know they're saying really terrible things about us and about Trump, but they're going to come around and we're all going to unify. Now, you see, when we're used to taking crumbs and taking the scraps and being okay with that and acting like we're really happy about it, then we end up prioritizing that unification, which will be marketed as a reunification when they truthfully have never been on our side, we will prioritize that over the actual principles that have brought us to this point already. We don't need to negotiate with people who are more than happy to take the money and all the added attention and then say awful things about Donald Trump and about Donald Trump's supporters. And I want to be clear that I'm not saying that we need to go to war with everyone who has ever disagreed with us. But people who are clearly part of a paid op, who are getting rich off saying awful things about Trump and MAGA, they're not the same as the guy who runs the hardware store down the street and thinks that Trump is too loud and too brash to be president and thought Ron DeSantis would be a better idea. Those are entirely different scenarios. And I'm not even saying that we can't 
welcome some of those awful people back if they actually say that they made a mistake and then work to make things better. But that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing them just try to provide themselves a soft landing. Even that garbage pail kid looking sociopath, Steve Dace, is out there saying that unless something major happens, Ron might lose the Iowa caucus. And what a mistake it would be. They all continue to tell one another that Ron DeSantis is like the perfect politician. They say that he's a once in a lifetime politician. And you honestly have to wonder what in the world they are talking about. But maybe they think they can save face just by telling everyone how much they really did like Ron DeSantis. And they weren't just trying to cover up the usurpation of the United States of America by eliminating Donald Trump on behalf of the regime. And we'll come back to some of this in a couple of minutes. So at the end of last week, Tucker Carlson posted an interview between himself and the infamous Alex Jones. And I'm not exactly sure when the interview was filmed and recorded, but immediately following that, an effort was made on X, formerly Twitter, to bring Alex Jones back to the site. Alex Jones was famously like the first person ever officially banned from Twitter. And naturally, I understand most people think Alex Jones is some sort of intelligence op. People say he's CIA. People say he's Mossad. I don't pretend to know. I also feel like there are good ops and bad ops, or at least maybe that's historically true and we're moving out of that. It would be nice to think of a future where we weren't victim to constant psyops, but right now we are. And one way or another, Alex Jones must be one of those. Is he a bad guy psyop, a good guy psyop? I don't know. I do know that a lot of people say he's a really nice guy. I do know that he's right well in advance. A lot of people think that the way he communicates is intended to make people who are talking about the same things look stupid. I don't think that's true. I also don't worry about whether or not people think I look stupid because I have the same ideas that Alex Jones has expressed in a way that people think is crazy. I just can't do that. I don't know why anyone subjects themselves to that. That is an aspect of the party of false decorum construct that I completely reject. If Alex Jones is right about something and I'm right about the same thing, Alex Jones screaming on his show is not going to make me look stupid for talking about it on mine, except to people who are wrong about things and like to pretend that all of us are stupid so that they don't have to admit that they're wrong about things. You cannot be made to look stupid by Alex Jones in the eyes of someone who wore a mask in their car unless you allow yourself to be. So Alex Jones does the interview on Tucker. That goes up on Twitter. Everyone makes a big deal about it. Immediately, the calls for Alex Jones to come back to Twitter begin. And then today, Tucker Carlson has launched a new media network, which will follow a subscription model and will be $9 a month. Now, I don't know what his network will actually be like, but I think that Tucker is doing the right thing. I have been hammering for three years or maybe longer talking about how these major media figures and influencers should never have self-censored in order to maintain their platforms and should have all moved to platforms they control with subscription models talked about Joe Rogan doing that before, what that would have been like for him. Joe Rogan reportedly has 11 million regular listeners to his podcast, and he makes something like $100 million a year on the Spotify contract. That's $2 million a week. And it sounds extraordinary, but Steven Crowder turned down an offer for $50 million from the Daily Wire a few months back. So the Daily Wire main guys must make more than that. And then who knows how much Rogan makes through the ads, but Joe Rogan could have talked about whatever he wanted and had whatever guests on he wanted. He would have never had to go along with the central narrative about COVID or the stolen election or the insurrection or any of it. And you'd think he has the resources to protect and maintain his own private platform. You got to imagine that 10 or 20% of his audience 
would be willing to spend $5 a month to keep listening to his show, he may have been able to do better than he even did with his Spotify contract simply by going independent on a subscription model. But even if he couldn't, it would have allowed him to say whatever he wanted. And maybe he could stop having regime shills come on the show all the time. But then we wouldn't get to pretend that Robert Malone and Peter McCullough saved us from COVID in the winter of 2021, well over a year and a half too late. But hey, I know that we like the scraps and the crumbs. We like to say, hey, they're finally waking up. They're finally coming around to our side. Maybe they just needed to go slow for the normies. And hey, I will believe that is correct as soon as as I see them start to speed the normies up to get closer to real time, instead of keeping them trapped three years back in an informational past along with them. So the maintaining the platform thing doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because they could have made more money. Their shows could be big. They could still have the impact. They could still get the guests. And so how many options are left? Are they corrupt? Are they compromised? Are they just greedy materialists who don't want to branch out on their own? It's certainly possible. I don't know their personal lives. I don't know behind the scenes what these people deal with, but there's definitely some incentive. Seems pretty clear that no matter what, it's an op. And so after that, the question is, who is the op designed to benefit? Now, the fact that Alex Jones can go on Tucker Carlson, that interview can be put on Twitter. Then the push comes to get Alex Jones back on Twitter. And then Tucker Carlson announces a media network. Those aren't the sorts of things that just randomly happen in the course of four days. Alex Jones's interview with Tucker Carlson was very interesting. They talked about a lot of really good stuff. And Alex Jones had a great section talking about how he comes to the conclusions he comes to way ahead of everyone else. And he essentially describes the same process we undertake when trying to figure out what is going on and what is happening in the future. And it's not that complicated. You simply watch the conferences, read the plans, read the white papers, pay attention to the war games and the models and the exercises they are running. Read the books, watch the speeches, watch the conferences, read their websites and their writings, whatever it is, they put all their stuff out there because they want permission. They want consent. They want to be able to say, Hey guys, we told you we were going to do this. We went on TV and said we were going to do these things and no one stepped up to stop us. You actually said you didn't believe we were going to do them. And you told all your friends you didn't believe we were going to do them. You tried to convince people that we weren't doing the things we said we were going to do. And Bill Gates could actually just go out and make that case. Hey, guys, I've been telling you I'm going to do all these things. And you morons listen to the fake news while they told you I wasn't going to do the things I said I was going to do. And you listen to all your friends who said that's a conspiracy theory. Well, I told you I was going to do it. And that's the crazy part. People can't even deny that all these figures have said what they're going to do. And that in some sense, they've been given consent to do it. But that was Alex Jones's response. He was like, I pay attention to what they're saying. I think about what that means and what it would look like based on all the other stuff I know. It's pretty simple, which by the way, is not to say it's easy in big part, just because of the sheer volume of information, but it's not mysterious. He doesn't have a magical power. He's not just climbing to the top of a far hill where a small old man with some glowing orb tells him about how they're planning to turn the frogs gay. He's just reading the information, processing the information and saying what he thinks about the information. Or he's saying whatever he's told to say. I get it. That's what people think. I understand. But the point is, it's not a mysterious technique to read people's writings and listen to their words and believe that they genuinely intend to do all the things they say they genuinely intend to do. And there was another interesting little segment as well, where he talked about how after, I think he said 22 years of doing this nonstop, he was kind of burnt out and he was ready to pass the torch, if you will, to another generation once people 
began to do that stuff for themselves. In the last few interviews I've heard of Alex Jones, he actually seems a little bit more optimistic than he did in the past. It seems like he is tracking the decentralization, the move of countries away from the regime, and hopefully we'll get to some more of that in a little bit. But he sounds awfully hopeful, particularly for how he's been perceived in the past. So as I said, after this interview went up on X, formerly Twitter, the calls to restore Alex Jones's account on Twitter began. This is Reuters reporting on that yesterday. Conspiracy theorist Alex Jones account reinstated on X after poll. Social media platform X on Sunday showed the account of U.S. conspiracy theorist Alex Jones to have been reinstated after a poll organized by owner Elon Musk backed his return after a ban of nearly five years. The people have spoken and so it shall be, Musk posted in a reply to a poll on Saturday on whether to reinstate the Jones account. Close to 2 million votes were cast by the time the poll closed, with about 70% in favor of Jones's return. And the final results of that poll, 1,966,125 votes, 70.1% in favor of Alex Jones's return. And it is definitely a bit disconcerting to think that there are still 30% of people who believe themselves to be justifiably pro-censorship. There is no justifiable pro-censorship case. No, Alex Jones is not causing harm to people with his words, and nothing he has ever said is grounds for censorship. Back to Reuters. X did not immediately respond to a Reuters request for comment asking for confirmation of the same. Reuters could not verify if X reinstated the InfoWars account. Alex Jones also could not be immediately contacted. Alex Jones' account with username at RealAlexJones now shows his last post from September 6, 2018, the same day the social media platform, formerly known as Twitter, permanently banned his account and website InfoWars from its platform, saying that the accounts had violated its behavior policies. And of course, Alex Jones talks about all of this at length in the Tucker interview, talks about how his banning actually came after he had walked up to CNN reporter Oliver Darcy and asked him a few questions that Darcy found to be too assertive. Jones talks about a long history of being continually pursued for censorship by Brian Stelter and Oliver Darcy. Reuters writes, The ban came weeks after Apple, Alphabet's YouTube, and Facebook took down podcasts and channels from Jones citing community standards. And so, like many of us, Alex Jones was removed from all those platforms, and he's still there with his own platform, still successful, despite the fact that a ridiculous court decision said that he owes $900 million. But the point is, it's possible to be successful and still have your platform and still have your voice out there without the legacy social media apparatus. Since Musk's takeover of the platform, it has reinstated previously suspended accounts, including that of former U.S. President Donald Trump and including me and many of my friends, although many of them are still not back on that ostensibly free speech platform. The Federalist had an article up about it today, and the headline actually reads like a Babylon Bee headline. But of course, they are 100% serious and even 100% correct. Here it is from Tristan Justice. Alex Jones reinstated on X alongside rest of conspiracy-driven press corps. And of course, he's talking about the mainstream media. It's something I wrote about last year in my story about reality series. We are told that QAnon is a very dangerous psyop by, of course, the mainstream media, who themselves represent an actual dangerous psyop. Everybody knows that it's a psyop, but it's called the news. So we figure this must be the best way to get information, even if we know they're lying to us. So Saturday morning is when Elon Musk posted that poll. He wrote in that post, reinstate Alex Jones on this platform, Vox Populi, Vox Dei. 
and that means the voice of the people is the voice of God. Tim Poole, quote, tweeted that post and said, let's go, everyone vote. And we saw that same sort of thing from normie influencers across the board. All of the very prominent standard issue uniparty villagers with big media presences, big influencers, all these very prominent people coming out in favor of free speech for Alex Jones. You got to bring Alex Jones back. But here's the thing. Most of those people didn't get censored. They didn't lose their platforms. They changed their messaging in order to maintain their platforms. They refused to talk about certain things and express certain viewpoints or have certain guests come on. They basically did what they were told. They chose compliance so that they could keep their platforms, keep the attention and keep making money rather than actually telling the truth, taking a risk, potentially getting banned and then rebuilding stronger somewhere else. And one of the things that they censored themselves about was any truth-based conversation about the 2020 election and our elections in general. I hear people talk about how they're beginning to express how they know the elections were rigged or maybe it was stolen in this way or that way, but they don't have in-depth conversations about election fraud, election integrity. They don't have in-depth conversations about our election process. They don't ever suggest that Joe Biden is not a legitimate president. They've simply sucked it up and pretended that Joe Biden actually received 81 million real lawful American votes when that is preposterous. So consider the irony when someone censors themselves in order to maintain their platform and keep raking in a million dollars a week while avoiding the topic of our stolen elections completely for now well over three years, who then goes about branding themselves as a champion and defender of free speech by asking people to vote in a poll where no one knows whether or not the votes actually count. Isn't that just incredible? Defend free speech, vote in this poll from someone who censors themselves and ignores stolen elections. The irony is phenomenal. And of course, I took it upon myself to point that out over the weekend and people got very upset at me because these are our allies. I guess the question to follow would be on what project Are they allied with us? I know we agree about some things. I know they talk about some of the things we agree about. They are all certainly very proud of themselves for knowing who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs, and we can all be very proud of them for knowing and for being able to admit that they know. But where is the so-called allyship? I don't understand it. Now, normally, I wouldn't care. I've made this point before. But this wasn't just Tim Pool. This was all of the con Inc media sphere and influencer sphere, everyone who is, let's say, right of center to use these kind of obsolete ideas, but all of these people who think they're very, very edgy and that they're the actual thought leaders of our society, they all made themselves the defenders and champions of free speech asking for Alex Jones to come back on. And then they all together had a celebration over Elon Musk and his bravery and courage to bring Alex Jones back on. Wow. Lord Elon has bestowed Alex Jones upon us again. We must praise him. Praise Lord Elon. It was absolutely nuts. Anyone who's listened to this show knows that I am by and large a strong supporter of Elon Musk, and I have made the case consistently that I think he has an important role to play on the right side of things. I don't know that to be true, but I think it's true. One thing I will not say about Elon Musk is that he has restored free speech on X, formerly Twitter, and Alex Jones coming back is proof of that. People were acting like the job is done now. We've got Alex Jones back. And in the coming weeks and months, we are going to hear people say, how can you say Twitter is not a free speech platform when even Alex Jones is back on it? There is no even Alex Jones. Alex Jones didn't do 
anything unlawful and shouldn't have had his speech taken away in the first place. Restoring that is a very, very low bar to cross, especially when there are still thousands of accounts of truth tellers who were not restored, and especially not when there is still shadow banning and manipulation and the algorithms and the freedom of reach policies, especially when people like me are prevented from offering subscriptions on the site and have our reach manipulated and get our accounts suspended so that we can't hit the metrics required to share in the Twitter ad revenue. And I'm not complaining, by the way, I don't want to make money from Twitter. I'm probably going to either deactivate or delete the account altogether because I just want to change my whole thing up a little bit. But the point is that there's a concerted effort to make sure certain voices are not heard on that platform. And as someone who was banned for two years and is now censored in an invisible way with all the rest of it, it is impossible to pretend that Twitter is a free speech site. It's not. And Elon knows it's not. And he says they're going to have it be a totally free speech site before the election in 2024. And listen, from the info op perspective, I get it all good, but it still behooves us to say this is not good enough. This is not free speech. We don't convince everybody that it is. We don't take the crumbs and the scraps and say, oh, thank you, Lord Elon, especially not when we know what Twitter actually is. Elon has told us himself that the lines between Twitter as a quote unquote private company and Twitter as a quasi-governmental organization, a piece of Defense Department technology, were rather blurry. Elon himself, we are told by Cash Patel, is the largest recipient of Defense Department contracts for his various projects. And I have said countless times that I don't believe Elon Musk purchased for $44 billion the most powerful information weapon in history from billionaires because that's ridiculous. People who are using this technology, this information weapon to influence and manipulate political outcomes and the leadership of governments around the world to manipulate geopolitics, things like the Arab Spring, influence operations in the Middle East that were then turned on American citizens, people who could influence entire financial markets on there and create and destroy companies based on public narratives disseminated on those platforms, they don't just let that go for $44 billion through a simple stock purchase. So what we actually have in my view is an incomplete process of eliminating or really scaling back blatant violations of the Constitution and the human rights of American citizens in the most vast censorship scheme in the history of humanity. So I'm sorry if Alex Jones being allowed to have his Twitter account again doesn't make me think we need to worship Elon Musk and pretend that he has gifted us our free speech once again. And so then the question becomes, what is the purpose of this op? It seems pretty obvious to me that what we have seen over the last few days is a well-orchestrated info op designed to brand Twitter as the home of free speech when it, in fact, is not yet a free speech site at all. And people tell me, well, you have to admit that it's better now than it was when Elon took over, right? And my answer is no. I don't have to admit that we are back on there and we are not being as rapidly censored and shut down by the algorithm as we were before we got banned. But the freedom of reach policies just allow them to censor us in ways we can hardly detect. And therefore, we're told, can't feel bad about the message is you're allowed to say whatever you want. But if you say the things that you're not really allowed to say, then we're not going to show them to anyone. Is that free speech? Or are we just being given the illusion of free speech while we are basically just as censored as we were before? And on top of that, now we are being gaslit by all those people who are supposedly our allies because free speech has finally been restored. 
just over a year ago, the headlines were going in the opposite direction. CNN, November 21st, 2022. Twitter won't restore Alex Jones's account, Elon Musk said. And this is actually kind of interesting. Musk declared on Friday that Jones's account will not be restored in spite of some users' requests and spent the weekend defending the decision even as Twitter moved to restore other suspended accounts, including that of former President Donald Trump. No, Musk tweeted flatly in response to one user's call for Jones to be reinstated on Twitter. Musk elaborated on his position Sunday evening, citing Bible scripture and his own personal experience with sudden infant death syndrome to explain his opposition to Jones, who has been ordered to pay hundreds of millions of dollars in damages for his lies about the 2012 Sandy Hook elementary school shooting. That's right. You're not allowed to talk about Sandy Hook. You're not allowed to say that anything was wrong with the story. It was true as reported. If you say otherwise, you owe us one billion trillion zillion dollars. My firstborn child died in my arms. I felt his last heartbeat. Musk tweeted, I have no mercy for anyone who would use the deaths of children for gain, politics or fame. The article notes that in response to someone complaining about his decision, Musk wrote too bad. So something has changed in the last year's time, and it's not just a Tucker Carlson interview. And you really have to wonder what Elon Musk knows behind the scene. Again, just like with Donald Trump, Elon Musk, I don't believe is exactly the way he is reported to be. Obviously, I went through the thing about Twitter. I think you can apply that to the rest of his technology companies, but I still think he is a brilliant man and it's obvious that he has extraordinary access. So it would be silly to pretend that I am operating on better information than Elon Musk. I would imagine that all the people who believe they are smarter than Donald Trump would still admit this about Elon Musk. They just don't think it's the same for Donald Trump because Donald Trump doesn't sound smart to them. So they can ignore all the rest of it. But my point is, I think it's a little bit silly for us to not recognize that for certain more is going on than we are allowed to know. Elon Musk not only has access to information in real time that we do not have access to, he knows things already that are certainties about the world that we are not going to know until we are in an actual future. Elon Musk is in an informational future relative to us right now. He knows things that we do not know about what will happen in our future. I'm not saying that's true about absolutely everything. It is entirely possible that you know something Elon Musk does not know. It's not that he knows everything. It's that he knows very particular things about the future that will come to be, that we will come to understand, that we are clueless about right now. So relative to those things, he is already living in an informational future and acting in an informational future. He knows all sorts of things we don't know. It is highly probable, if not a certainty, that he knows things about Alex Jones that we don't know. It's possible there was some legal reason he didn't want to let Alex Jones back on last year. Maybe he just didn't want to deal with the heat while he was dealing with other heat. Or maybe Elon Musk has decided that his own personal problems with Alex Jones's behavior are not grounds to keep Alex Jones off X, formerly Twitter. And he's reversed his position from last year. That's entirely possible. He's a real human who probably has feelings and may occasionally act on those feelings and then realize that he did not do the right thing and then want to reverse himself. Again, it's pretty obvious that this stuff is coordinated. On some level, this just is an elaborate psyop. It is an elaborate public info operation. Yesterday, they all did a Twitter spaces together. Alex Jones with Elon Musk Andrew Tate was on there. Vivek Ramaswamy was on there. It was hosted by Mario Knopfel, who is like the attention farmer who is always leading the popular Twitter space where everybody is just trying to farm as much attention as possible by being wrong about absolutely everything. These are the guys that did like that eight hour long Twitter space 
on Yevgeny Prigozhin's so-called coup against Vladimir Putin. Remember when he took his Wagner group and was going to storm Moscow? Total, ridiculous, fake news that captured their attention. A huge, fake international crisis that everyone needs to know all the details to. The entire Twitter space was like a who's who of attention farmers. The Krasensteins were in there. Basically, everyone in the Twitter space was some kind of psyop. And then the big headline grabber from that Twitter space, it wasn't about anything important that was said by anyone in there. It was that Vivek Ramaswamy forgot to mute his phone while using the restroom. And you basically reach a situation at that point where you find yourself in the movie Inception, except instead of dreams, you're dealing with psyops. It's a psyop within a psyop within a psyop performed by 12 different people, all of whom are psyops, all of them simultaneously advertising Twitter as a free speech site, which is a psyop. And to be honest, I find the whole thing terribly annoying. And in fact, a little bit insulting because we're being gaslit into pretending that X, formerly Twitter, is actually a free speech site and that Elon Musk, our new God, has just given it to us as a gift or a favor. We get the scraps and the crumbs and we should be extremely thankful for it. Now, obviously, the uniparty left media and their people online are all wringing their hands and writing their articles, conspiracy theorist, conspiracy theorist, exactly as one might suspect. And of course, then we have Media Matters, who just a few weeks ago put out a report where they intentionally manipulated the Twitter platform to get ads from various corporations placed next to hateful anti-Semitic content causing those advertisers to pull their money from the X platform. And we talked about the lawsuit that Elon Musk filed in response to that. And this afternoon, we have this letter from the Attorney General of Missouri, Andrew Bailey, who took over in Missouri for Eric Schmidt, who with Jeff Landry, who was recently elected governor of Louisiana, filed the Missouri versus Biden lawsuit over government censorship. So that Andrew Bailey today has sent this letter to Media Matters to let them know that they are under investigation. The letter is addressed to Angelo Carasone. This letter serves as a formal document hold notice under federal and Missouri law. The Missouri Attorney General's office has opened an investigation into Media Matters for America. That is what they're called, Media Matters for America regarding your firm's potentially unlawful business practices. As you are no doubt aware, a federal lawsuit has been filed against Media Matters, raising serious allegations that your firm falsely and deceptively manipulated the algorithm on X, formerly known as Twitter. It really says that in the letter. Through coordinated, inauthentic behavior, and that you did so in an attempt to defame the organization and cause advertisers to pull their support from the platform, thus harming free speech. The lawsuit alleges that you lied to the public, falsely suggesting that fringe extremist content regularly appears next to content from corporate advertisers when in fact the opposite is true. At the same time, you appear to have used this coordinated, inauthentic activity to solicit charitable donations from consumers across the country. I have reason to believe that your firm's alleged actions may have violated Missouri consumer protection laws, including laws that prohibit nonprofit entities from soliciting funds under false pretenses. I'm especially concerned that Media Matters actions, if proven true, have hampered free speech by targeting an expressly pro-free speech social media platform in an attempt to cause it financial harm while defrauding Missourians in the process. You are thus hereby instructed to preserve all records that may relate to your alleged effort to engage in coordinated, inauthentic behavior on social media platforms in order to generate false statements that were used to solicit charitable donations under false pretenses. You are instructed in particular to preserve all records that may relate to your webpage, which expressly solicits funds at the following URL. And it references the article on 
the MediaMatters.org website. Records you must preserve include but are not limited to internal communications regarding your strategy to target advertisers on X, formerly known as Twitter, and your efforts to manipulate those advertisers into pulling their ads from the platform. Communications with third parties regarding your strategy to target advertisers on X, formerly known as Twitter, and your efforts to manipulate those advertisers into pulling their ads from the platform. Communications with IBM, Lionsgate, Apple, Disney, Warner Brothers, Paramount, NBC Universal, Comcast, Sony, Ubisoft, and Walmart regarding your strategy to target advertisers on X, formerly known as Twitter, and your efforts to manipulate those advertisers into pulling their ads from the platform. So that is interesting. They're suggesting Media Matters contacted these organizations directly. And perhaps that's nothing, but it could turn out to be very interesting if they coordinated in any way with these companies prior. We know that Media Matters performed a series of actions to manipulate the platform into generating these ads placed next to really extreme content. If that operation and the advertisers specifically targeted for this operation were in any way coordinated prior to this operation, then it would seem like the problem and the responsibility for the problem extends to all of these corporations as well. But back to the letter. Internal communications regarding your policies, strategies, or operations related to generating stories or content intended to cancel, deplatform, demonetize, or otherwise interfere with businesses or organizations located in Missouri or utilized by Missouri residents. Communications and documents related to soliciting charitable funds from residents of Missouri in relation to the web page at the URL stated above. And so that claim would be that they put out these false claims to solicit charitable donations from citizens who they were deceiving in the process. Basically, the claim is that Media Matters was essentially operating a charity scam soliciting donations on the back of what they knew to be false and contrived. So it looks as though Media Matters problems are escalating, and optically at least, that is a good thing. We are being shown that organizations who intend to target businesses and people for eventual censorship can be held accountable. That is what we must see in order to make the problem stop. This seems to finally be a reaction that says, okay, cancel culture is not only morally wrong, it is actually illegal. And what these people are doing is slandering and defaming people and organizations in order to silence them. People who do that can and will be held accountable legally for the damages they're causing. Now, is that the ultimate or ideal solution? I'm not sure. I would like a world where everyone can say absolutely whatever they want, whether it's true or false. I don't want censorship. I don't want false speech to be illegal. I want it to exist in its proper context, which is it's immoral. It should be frowned upon. People should stop lying. People should make a habit out of telling the truth all the time to the extent they know the truth. And I would love a world where people just felt free to express their opinions and viewpoints. Hey, maybe it's this way. Hey, maybe it's this way. Hey, maybe it's this way. It certainly doesn't seem right that people could use false speech in order to destroy other people or businesses, for instance. But I also got to think that maybe a better solution is just to inculcate an idea throughout culture that we don't get to punish what other people say. Your solution is to not listen to it or to say that you disagree and try to say it to as many people as you want. No one had a right to make Alex Jones stop saying the things he was saying. If he was saying abhorrent things that weren't true, people would ultimately stop listening to him. But if the things he's saying are abhorrent and not true, how does free speech not correct that problem? There might be people out there who listen to Alex Jones and just believe whatever he says without ever checking for themselves, but that's not really the common way 
that this community goes about doing things. It is a total propagandized myth that the conspiracy theorists are the ones who just believe anything. We don't have to fall into that trap. In my former life, I knew literally thousands of mainstream liberals, and now I know, or at least interact with, thousands of people who are on the opposite side of things, many of whom are in the truth community intentionally because they are seeking truth, not because they're going to believe and repeat what they've heard. I imagine, in general, Alex Jones's audience is far more skeptical and far more discerning than Rachel Maddow's or Jake Tapper's or Joanne Reed's or Anderson Cooper's. Alex Jones isn't their infallible idol. He's just the person who is often right about a lot of important things that no one else is talking about. Why couldn't they simply disprove him? The point is, they don't believe people should be allowed to believe things on their own, independent thinkers. That's not okay. And because their attempt to get rid of the entire process of free thinking and independent thought through the indoctrination and the media brainwashing and the rest of it, because all that failed, they have to use force. And force means censorship and the positive reinforcement and incentives toward the propaganda narratives. And as we've seen in the Media Matters stuff and the Alex Jones stuff, it's not just that some other person or group of people was expressing a different opinion or saying, I don't like Elon Musk. I don't like Alex Jones. They were coordinating efforts specifically geared to get people censored or to make them lose money to such an extent that they would begin employing censorship themselves. That's a different level. Those things should be held accountable. But I think it's probably more of a gray area when you look back five years ago, whenever the cancel culture was at its absolute height after Me Too. What do you do about a Twitter mob? What do you do about an independent blogger who's trying to get somebody canceled for something someone said that gets framed as sexist or homophobic or something? I'm not sure anything can be done about that. I'm not sure anything should be done about that. It absolutely sucks. But we're better off focusing on not caring about that stuff, recognizing it. Oh, these people are trying to target and attack this person for something this person said. I don't like what that person said, but I don't think that they should lose their job or their livelihood or their reputation for all of time because I didn't like something they said. And what a bad, bad habit and behavior we have unfortunately inculcated because we are walking into a future where we know that organizations, government, potentially people have access to absolutely everything that we've ever said on our phone or online. I would doubt that there is anyone who could have all of their former words published in the most negative light possible and somehow get through that without having ever said anything they could be canceled over. And I'm not excluding myself from that, by the way. The point is, it's everybody. Everybody has that stuff that they've said before that they might regret. Pretty much everybody has that stuff. And you got to know that someone out there has all that information and can use it against you if they want. Everyone, therefore, is potentially at risk of being canceled in the same ways at all times if for some reason the wrong person has your information or you upset the wrong person. And so it would seem to me that for people's own self-preservation, they would want to move away from those behaviors. And it is a much better way to deal with this much bigger problem by understanding that we all have said probably really extraordinarily shitty things before. And if all of our past words were exposed, we'd probably look bad. And if someone wanted to, they could paint our words in the worst possible light and try to really inflict harm, inflict damage on us, our family, our livelihood, etc. I wouldn't be shocked if we're a few years away from all that information just being available. Someone will get that information. I wouldn't be shocked if in a few years we had companies, 
that were selling that information. You want someone's entire communications history here. This company has that data and for a small price, we'll happily give it to you. That is the world we could be entering. We had better get to a place where we understand the purpose of free speech and actually begin employing those principles in our lives, even when they make us uncomfortable. Because otherwise, what we'll get is the gaslighting we're getting right now, being told that we have all this freedom, we have free speech. X, formerly Twitter, is the place for free speech, even though it's not. And we accept the crumbs, we accept the scraps, and we go on living in this society where people will go back and find past words and drag them out into the light so they can attempt to destroy other people. That is not a great future to be looking at. It's nice that everybody feels positive about Alex Jones coming back to Twitter, but that hasn't solved our free speech problem. The free speech problem will not be solved until free speech is available for everyone to the same degree so that the free marketplace of ideas can actually function and that people come to understand its importance to the point where they no longer want to punish it. And for all the censors of the uniparty left who have taken advantage of these systems for the last five or so years, especially, they might want to figure things out real quick because the uniparty right seems to be trying to create their own new cancel culture. And absolutely no one needs that. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel-couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!